So, we're in Jonah. This is the second message in Jonah. Uh, I'll pick up a little bit of review. I put all the review in my notes just so I didn't forget anything. But remember from what we went over last time we met that God sent Jonah to Nineveh, which was the capital of Assyria, which was a nation that hated and persecuted the Israelites. God tells Jonah to leave Israel, though he was a prophet to Israel, right? Jonah was a prophet to Israel. God tells Jonah, leave Israel, go to Nineveh, and go there to preach repentance to the Ninevites. And remember, we peeked forward into chapter 3 and 4 last time we met, and we see why Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. And it was because Jonah knew God was going to save them. So God was, tells Jonah, leave Israel, go to Nineveh, to, to Nineveh and preach to them. And Jonah pretty much says, no, I don't like those people. They don't deserve to be saved. And <clears throat> so he runs. It says, he, 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 he's trying to get away from the presence of the Lord. That's what it says in the text. Which we know you cannot run from. But it was probably more of a running from the special presence of the Lord at the temple or the tabernacle. Where, where we could say the presence of the Lord was in Jerusalem at the time. And Jonah was trying to get away from that. So he was running away from where he was ministering at. And he was fleeing to Tarshish. If you remember, I put up the, the map last time. You have like Israel right here, Nineveh is like right here, and Tarshish is over here on the other side of the Mediterranean Sea. So Jonah, instead of just going, taking a land route right to Nineveh, boards a ship to head to Spain, to Tarshish. That was the opposite way of what God called him to go. God called him to go over here to the east. Jonah says, I'm going to go as far west as I possibly can to get away from the presence of the Lord because I do not want to go minister to those people. And remember, he had to hike to Joppa first, right? So he was in, um, he was, where is he, in Nazareth? And he had to hike to Joppa, and it was about a two-day hike. So he had to, he's not only disobeying the Lord, he goes on a, like a two-day hike to Joppa to board this ship so he can go to Tarshish and get away from this. And he had to pay to get on the ship. So not only did he disobey God by not going to, to Nineveh, he was a prophet to Israel. He leaves Israel, goes to Joppa, and pays to get on the ship so he can go to Tarshish and get away from all of this. So he's literally paying for his sin of disobedience, even before he enters the ship. So that brings us to where we're going to be looking at today. And looking, started in verse 4. It says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. So I, I put together some points on this. The first point is God's terrifying storm. So the first thing that we can see in this is God's sovereignty over nation or over nature. It says in your Bible it says the the right, you say the Lord sent out a great wind. The word Lord there is the word the 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 
the name of God, Yahweh. Yahweh sent out a great wind into the sea. So this was Yahweh's doing. God did this. It wasn't as though Jonah went out to the sea and there just happened to be a storm. But God sent it forth. And I think um, different translations may say that he hurled a great wind. It wasn't Satan. But God is calling this, causing this mighty tempest so that ship was like to be broken. And what's it in response to? What was God, God doing this for? Because Jonah was being disobedient. Jonah, if he was trying to get away from the presence of the Lord, might have thought he made it, right? I made it to the ship. I paid the fee. I'm on here. I'm getting away from the presence of the Lord. Yet God displays the verse, the truth of the, the verses we saw the other week in Psalm 139. He says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, yet this disobedient saint was asleep. He's asleep on a boat with a storm that Yahweh's causing. And the sailors, all the people on the boat, thinking they're going to die. And he's sound asleep. And the last thing this, I think this should take our minds to is Jesus sleeping on the ship with his disciples. Remember that in Mark chapter 4. It says, There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. It says that in Mark 4.37. And Jesus was asleep. The disciples, some were fishermen, knew that they could die in that storm. They, they said to Jesus, Master, carest not thou that we perish? They knew that they, or they thought that they were at death's door, right? Just as these sailors were praying to their false gods because they thought they were about to die. When they awoke Jesus from his sleep, though, what happened? It says, He rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still, and there was a great calm. Yahweh brings the storm to Jonah. And Yahweh calms the storm for His disciples. There's a big difference in the story though. Jonah was running from the presence of the Lord. The disciples were with their Lord. The similarity, though, in both of those stories is that they are both acting in unbelief. Jonah is obvious, as we already saw, right? But the disciples, we can see that in that they didn't believe the words of the Lord. Jesus said, before they got on that ship, that we're going to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And that should have been enough for them to believe that they would have made it. Jesus said we're going to the other side. However, they feared and doubted. This is why Jesus rebuked them by saying, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? The big picture we can see from this is that Yahweh is in control. He controls the winds. He controls the seas. And no amount of calling out to false gods will preserve us. My second point here is God's salvation for the pagans. Look at verse 7 and 8. 
And they said every one to his fellow, Come, and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil was upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. And they said unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil was upon us? What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? So now these sailors, they didn't know before, but now they know. It's Jonah. And then, then they, what do they do? They start to investigate him. Now this can show something about this man, and maybe you can say this is speculation, but, but it seems as though all they cared about was the money, right? Then you say, why, why would I say that? Well, they knew nothing of Jonah except that he paid the fare to come aboard the ship. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from or who you're, who you're running from as long as you pay up. And Jonah did that with no questions asked. But now they need to know because they're on the brink of death. Maybe the application on this is maybe not to pick up a hitchhiker. However, now they see the culprit, right? They're all scared. They're going to die. They've all called to their false gods, and none of their false gods could do anything. And now they're like, we need to find out who this is. And they find out it's Jonah. And they question him. They, they say he is the one that calls this evil to come upon us. And look at verse 9. And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which made the sea and the dry land. Let's notice this in his answer. Jonah says, I fear the Lord, which once again is the proper name for God there. It's Yahweh. I fear Yahweh. So I'm sure when those words came out of Jonah's mouth, these men could see the problem. Because it tells us in verse 10 that he told them that he fled from the presence of Yahweh. He wasn't fearing the Lord by, by being aboard the ship, right? He said, I fear Yahweh, but he's not, not fearing the Lord when he, he boarded the ship, when he was running from him. The ship was headed away from the presence of the Lord, remember? So any smart man would have been able to see what the problem was. You say you fear Yahweh, yet you are running from Him, and now we're all about to die because you are on board with us. Imagine the anger that might have taken place from some of these men. Especially after what we saw in verse 3, or verse 5, It says, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. That's their cargo. <laughs> They've already thrown their cargo overboard. And now you tell us, Jonah? But the cargo that was the problem, right, was Jonah. It wasn't their cargo. It wasn't their clothes. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. It was Jonah was the, the cargo that was the problem. And now they're figuring this out. Notice what else Jonah says in his response. He says, The God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. 
So his proclamation to these men is that the God I serve is the God over everything. Remember, pagan deities typically were only over one thing, right? You had Poseidon, the god of the sea, Ares, the god of war. Jonah saying, my god, Yahweh, is the god of everything. Heaven, earth, and sea, where we happen to be at right now. Which may or may not been the best thing to say to a bunch of sailors that have already been mad about their cargo being thrown overboard and, and they're scared to death, and then you say, my God's the God of the sea. <laughs> then what are you doing here? However, that's what Jonah said. But let's, let's move on here. Verse 10. It says, Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you? For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. So through this, the Lord saves these sailors. Isn't that amazing? You know, God sends Jonah to Nineveh, right? Jonah's like, nope, I don't like those people. I'm not going there because I know you're going to save those people. So he pays the fare to go on the ship to flee from the presence of the Lord. And in so doing, much calamity has come upon these men of the ship. Yet through that calamity and the disobedience of Jonah, God uses it to save these men. That is amazing. It's also part of the story we don't probably ever think about. We know about Jonah, right? And the great fish and the Ninevites. But how often do we think about these sailors? These sailors took this man on board without knowing his story. When they found out that he was the reason for the sea being in a great tempest, they didn't just throw him overboard. They questioned him. And then they even tried to row to land to drop him off in a civilized manner, right? However, God would not allow that to happen. So they were willing to work harder even though they know at this point, Jonah, you, you have us out here. We're about to die. We've thrown our cargo overboard. Now we know that you're the problem. You've asked us to throw you overboard. But you know what, Jonah? I'm going to try as hard as I can to get you to land. To drop you off into the land. Not only that. They asked for forgiveness for doing what Jonah asked them to do. Jonah said, throw me overboard. 
Before they did it, they tried to row to land. God wouldn't let them do it. So then what do they do? They go to the Lord in prayer. That's what I mean, that's what it is. The same thing. The same proper name of God is there that the sailors were using. They were saying, Yahweh, don't put this blood upon us. They asked for forgiveness for doing exactly what Jonah asked them to do. And then they recognize the sovereignty of God in all this as well. They say, For thou, O Lord, which once again is Yahweh, for thou, Yahweh, has done as it pleased thee. All of this doing right here is your doing, Lord. And God converted these men. So through the disobedience of this prophet and going where he wasn't supposed to go, God still used it for good. These sailors went from fearing the storm to fearing Yahweh, all because of the disobedience of Jonah. Now I know there's, I'm well aware there's one more verse left in this chapter and we're not going to deal with that tonight. Just be surprised that I made it from 4 to 16. So what does all this mean to us, though? Well, I think the big picture for us is that God is always at work. Even in our disobedience, it doesn't thwart the plans and counsels of God. He has an eternal plan, and you and I cannot change that. It's set in stone, and no amount of rebellion can change it. God has planned, He had planned from eternity past to save these sailors. To the mind of Jonah, he would have never guessed this, right? He would have never thought, I'm going to be on this ship, and God, now that I'm on this ship, God's going to save all the sailors. He would have never thought that. He thought he was getting away from the presence of the Lord. Yet the Lord displayed in a mighty way that his plans will come to fruition. Jonah meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And the second thing here, sin affects those around you. Jonah's sin of running from the Lord brought a great tempest on the sea for these sailors. It wasn't the sailors' fault. It wasn't only Jonah that was affected by his sin, right? You say, but God saved them in the end. Yes, He did. However, they didn't come through completely unscathed, right? They tossed their cargo overboard. They lost possessions because of Jonah's disobedience. This is crazy. These men didn't have, probably didn't have a clue who this Jonah guy was. Obviously they didn't because they had to question him. And I've lost my possessions because of you now. Because of your disobedience. Not only that, they still had to go through this great storm. And they also had to throw Jonah overboard. And I'm sure this wasn't a common practice for these men. It says they're sailors. It didn't say they're pirates, right? It, well, I don't think it was a common practice for them. You know why I don't think that? Because they tried really hard to row to shore instead of just throwing them overboard. If it was a common practice, they'd be like, okay. Phew. 
And then they had to live with the fact that they threw the prophet of Yahweh into the sea. And not just the prophet either, but the very prophet that God sent to you that brought about your salvation, you had to take him and throw him into the sea. And you had to live with that. And to the minds of these men, that would inevitably been the death of Jonah, right? If you're on this ship, you're not thinking God's going to provide a whale or a great fish, right? You're thinking once we throw him overboard, he's dead. Once he's in the sea, there's no turning back. And all of this because of Jonah. Chose not to follow after the command of God to go preach to a people. So to bring this home, what is God calling you to do? That you're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to do that. Well, I don't want to go over here. I don't want to talk to that person. Obviously, it's not the same mission as Jonah. But what's God laid upon you to do? Are you doing it? Or are you running from it? If you're not doing it, don't think for a moment that God won't still accomplish His will without you or in spite of you. But in your disobedience, also know that it affects others. You're disobedient to the commands and calls of God don't only negatively, negatively affect you, but also those around you, those in your family, those in your church, those people that you interact with on a regular basis. So if there's something that we can learn from Jonah, is what not to do, right? Don't be like Jonah. Don't run from what God has commanded you to do. Do it. These pagan... These pagan sailors showed more fear and obedience in this small chapter than what Jonah did. But we don't know any of their names. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God's word amazing like that? We all, everybody knows the name of Jonah, right? We learned that in, when we are two or three years old in Sunday school. Everybody knows the name of Jonah. We don't know the name of these men. But they offered up sacrifice to the Lord on a ship. That had to take some faith too, right? Because they didn't have, they were their ships weren't like um, aircraft carriers back then. They're made of wood, and they had to offer up a sacrifice, which typically include burning it. So they had to trust the Lord, and they showed more faith and obedience than Jonah did. So next meeting we'll we'll be seeing. We saw the pagan salvation. We're going to be seeing. Jonah's salvation.